chances. How, how do you feel about math and statistics? Uh, math gives me a really bad headache. All right, well, as we sit here, this probably will too. As we sit here, what, 11 weeks now into the college football season, Georgia perfect 10-0, and 0, Yep. and then a whole bunch of chaos behind them. Can you tell me, according to ESPN's FPI, their predictor for who's going to make the college football playoff, who's number two with the highest percentage to make it? Georgia right now sits at 96%. They have a 96% chance to make it. Number two. I, and honestly, I haven't really looked either. No, I mean, just, just everything. Like, who has, who has maybe the – Maybe probably Bama. Bama is number two. Yeah. Do you know who number three is with a 60% chance to make the college football playoff? A 60%? Yep. Ohio State? Notre Dame. Are you? Wow. According to ESPN's FPI, as we sit here on the 15th of November, Notre Dame has the best chance behind Alabama and Georgia to make the college football playoff. We just kind of wrote them off. How so? How so? After they lost to Cincinnati? So they're basically insinuating they're – they're thinking all the teams above them are going to lose they out. They have been. Yeah, they got to lose. Yeah. Oklahoma lost this weekend. Michigan State lost a couple weekends ago. Michigan lost to Michigan State a couple weekends ago. I mean, right now in the AP, Notre Dame, and this is prior to last week, Notre Dame sits at number six. Yeah, and Mi- Ohio State and Michigan State Michigan, will play themselves out this week. Michigan and Ohio State still have to play as well. Oop. That'll That'll work itself out. Now what I'm wondering is there's no way they jump Notre Dame over an undefeated Cincinnati that beat them in their house. Nah, there's no way. That would be so disrespectful. I don't it would make absolutely no sense by the rules they've gone by with the college football playoffs. I I, I wouldn't really understand that one. So yeah, man, but it's like a, uh it's like what we talked about a few weeks ago. If Alabama beats Georgia, I could just see Alabama jumping the one. Georgia falling back to number two. I don't think it would be a huge drop. They know those two. They're the best team. Here's what I'm assuming they think is going to happen is they think Ohio State's going to drop another one, which would make Ohio State a two-loss team. Because, I mean, think about what they have coming up. What is it, Michigan State, Michigan, and then Big Ten Championship championship against Wisconsin, who's been a really good team since they started with, what, three losses? Mm -hmm. Their defense is, I think across the board, comparable – to Georgia's in terms of statistics, right? They, they have been up there right alongside Georgia's now in terms of like level of play and impact on games. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, nah. But the defense, much like Penn State, has been elite with a super lackluster offense. But all of a sudden, I forget the kid's name. I can probably look it up. Uh, but he's like a 17-year-old true freshman running back for them that's really kind of flipped the script for Wisconsin. Uh, Braylon Allen, 17 years old, tearing it up. So, yeah, Wisconsin, do you know what their record is right now? Uh, I want to say they're 7-2. 7-3. 7-3. Seven and three. But, I mean, it was it was three losses really early in the season. They started 1-3, right? They lost to Penn State, lost to Notre Dame, lost to Michigan, and beat Eastern Michigan. Since then, they've ripped off six wins in a row, including wins over top 25 Purdue and number nine Iowa. You got to so, give the coach a round of applause. Oh, yeah, yeah. but what, what I'm sitting here thinking, though, is Ohio State has a heck of a gauntlet it has to run. Oh, yeah. Right? Where they have, again, Michigan State coming up this weekend. Then they're at Michigan, who can get after you defensively. Mm-hmm. And you're playing a Heisman candidate in Kenneth Walker this weekend. And then you have to play Wisconsin, who's good. So is the Big Ten going to sort itself out? I think so. And then the Big 12, o- Oklahoma finally did what we all thought they were going to do. <laughs> it kind of feels like yeah. 
Is it almost like a relief that they finally lost? Maybe even for them, they're like, yeah, this we, this should have happened like five times already. They do it every year, man. Lincoln Riley, they always drop one every year. And I should have known picking. I'm like, Baylor just came off a bad loss to TCU. They're going to correct themselves this week against Oklahoma. But I tried to stick with Caleb Williams and those guys, and he got benched in that game. Yep. With Spencer Rattler. It's just weird. Oklahoma's kind of weird this year. Now, here's my question is, should we write off Oklahoma yet? No. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Because how many times have they made it to the college football playoffs? They control their own destiny right now. Still. I'm trying to think. How, how many times have they done it? And each time it's been with one loss. Is it four times that they've been in the college football playoff? And each Hertz, time they've had a Murray, loss? Murray, Baker. Yep. And yep. They, uh, did Baker made it twice. Because he lost to Clemson <laughs> and he lost to Georgia. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're 0-4 in the playoffs. Dang. Yeah, I mean, they make it all the Twice time. Twice with Baker, once with Kyler, once with Jalen. Yeah. I think I think they're, they'll get it together. Um, I, so, I, mean, I don't you, know you if they'll get it against Stillwater. Well, I'm saying you can't write them off yet. No, I'm not going to write them off yet. They're one lost team, but they do still have some really tough games coming up. Mm-hmm. Like they have Oklahoma State coming up, and that could be another loss for them. So it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating because Georgia has been the one consistent. And we can talk about Georgia, obviously. What they did at Tennessee was kind of reminiscent to me of what happened against Florida, where it's just kind of, all right, it's a little awkward right here at the beginning, kind of plotting, plotting, plotting. Oh, you're up 10-7. to That's cute. All of a sudden, 40 points later. Yeah. We're getting out of here, and this one doesn't feel like it was ever close. Only thing I was worried about, it was a lot of guys, you know, getting injured. Okay, well, here's the thing with that. Yeah, man. I was like, ooh, come on now. Uh, Brooks Oss has reported that Nolan Smith's dealing with like a minor elbow injury, and Kirby Smart kind of re-emphasized that today during his press conference that Nolan Smith will be fine, like he he, sh- he should be good to go. Devonta Wyatt is dealing with a little bit of a knee thing, but he should still be good to go. A lot of those, I'm going to do air quotes, injuries was just Georgia trying to slow down Tennessee. Okay, I mean, let's be honest about it. You had an offensive mm. or a defensive lineman going down like every other play. That was just gamesmanship for Georgia against a team that likes to go really fast. And so you're like, hey, 340-pound guy, when they start going fast and we're not lined up, go down. I know the score didn't indicate it, but I was still impressed by Tennessee, though. Yeah, I, 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 I really they've were. been an impressive team. I think if they yeah. ran it back against Florida right now, they'd oh, probably yeah, they, beat them by 20. Yeah, I was impressed by Tennessee. I'm like, you know, 41-17, obviously that's not what you want to hear. But, I mean, if you looked at they moved the ball pretty well for the most part, better than any other team that's done it this year. Um they, well, they're very impressed. They're going to be a, kind of like a scary team in the future. Only team that scored two offensive touchdowns against Georgia this year. Yeah, they're going to be a scary team in the future in the next couple of years. Hendon Hooker is he's kind of – he's a pro to me personally. I don't know um, about that. I think he – I wouldn't say a starter. But if you're talking about the guy's six, seven-round pick maybe, I could see it. I think much like Mike Leach, Josh Heupel just knows how to get a lot out of quarterbacks. And that system yeah, is Mike very – Mike Leach definitely That system is there. very quarterback friendly. But just looking at that Georgia game – uh, I thought the inside linebackers stood out to me. N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, I thought had a huge game, and then Channing Tindall, three sacks. Yeah, Tindall, yeah, for Channing Tindall, and he's mm-hmm. the he's your third inside linebacker, and he had three sacks. He's just one of those guys where he can absolutely fly. Normally, that's um, he's Anderson not great in getting co- those sacks. He's not great in coverage, mm-hmm. but if it's just straight up rushing the quarterback, Channing Tindall is pretty elite. Yeah, that normally that's Anderson getting those sacks, and we know about what's going on with that situation. But yeah, probably I mean, not going to see him again. I love the next man up mentality they've had this year. It's really been next man up, and nobody has underperformed yet. Everybody's 
done their part. And I mean, I don't want to say it, man, but we have two games left. First time you've been alive to see them go undefeated. Well, Same is, here. This is the first time in the history of Georgia football they went eight no in SEC play. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a different year, and man. The first so. time since nineteen eighty one or eighty two mm-hmm. that they went undefeated in the SEC period. That's crazy. So dare I say it's our year, but we Damn. have one. We have one. I, I mean, I said it a couple of weeks ago, but we have one team. My in my I, personal I, opinion, I don't think that's true. I think there's a few teams that could beat Georgia right now. Uh, I think Alabama can certainly beat Georgia. Definitely. I think Ohio State can certainly beat Georgia. I'm not worried. Ohio about State's that. clicking. I'm Ohio not worried State's about clicking Ohio right State. now. And they have they have three NFL receivers. Not yet, that, and, they that have like, and they have like three <laughs> NFL running backs. And now CJ Stroud has had a full year under center and he's clicking in that offense. They absolutely smacked Purdue. They put any thought of an upset to bed in like the first five minutes of that game. Yeah. Everybody came in. I told you it was going to happen because when, when you're actually paying attention to Purdue, mm-hmm. they're not good. It's like it, it's like when you, when you shine the light on them, they run away. Yeah. Right? But Ohio State just absolutely slammed the door immediately. They look like what Ohio State's supposed to look like. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, those dudes are going to nice, be nice. what? Tra- 15, top 15, top 20 picks, both Travion of them. Travion Henderson? Yeah. The freshman, the run, the freshman running back. Yeah, he didn't yeah. even he didn't even lead them in rushing, but he was still he still had an awesome day. So, I think I think Ohio State I would love to see that certainly be Georgia against I think, Georgia's defense. Yeah. That would be real cool. <laughs> and Alabama's still horrifying to me cuz Brian Robinson's really good. Uh Mechie. I still like Mechie. He's, well, a, he's Mech- still a Mechie's, solid receiver. Mechie's been awesome. I think the only thing that worries me about Alabama is how inconsistent they are on defense. Yeah. But they now have two chances to clinch up the SEC West. They just have to beat Arkansas or they have to beat Auburn because of the mess that was the SEC West. We're going to talk about that in the next segment because there is so many things from the SEC West that were just mind-boggling from the weekend. But before we go there, did you see what happened to Florida? Yeah, that's. Uh, did you see them? Ce- they were celebrating. The I, lock- okay, listen. Like, I want to start. What? I want. Okay, let's start with this. I'm perfectly okay with that. You, yes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, right? Is you football is the only sport. Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina's coach, brought this up. I think it's a really good point. This is the only sport where you practice more than you play. That's I we, true. I think we talked about this last week, right? Yeah, that's true. In the offseason, you have spring where you have like a month where it's literally just practice, and then you go into summer camp, and then you go into a fall camp where it's just practice, 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 and then you practice five days a week to play on Saturday to play one 60-minute game. For these dudes, you got to celebrate every win. I don't care who it's against. you got to celebrate. I don't care how you won. You won a football game. I think it's fine to celebrate. Now, do I think what happened in that first half was embarrassing? Yeah. Absolutely. Is it a better result than Florida's had against SoCon teams in the past? Yep. Because at least they won this one. Yeah. Versus Georgia letting Southern. yeah versus letting uh, McKinnon and Georgia Southern roll all, roll all over them. So and I'll say this: Liam Welch, the quarterback for Sanford, is mm-hmm. a really good quarterback. That dude is torching the SoCon. They just don't have a defense. Man, if you could combine Sanford's offense with Penn State's defense, you might be onto something. <laughs> I was just shocked at the score at halftime. I'm like, wow, Florida's letting them put a 40 ball on them. So, man, I mean, they won. That's, and it wasn't good. That's all that now, I will say this. You fired your defensive coordinator, and yeah. Christian Robinson, who is a former Georgia linebacker, and is 31, is their interim defensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. you could tell there's a lot of issues when it came to the sub packages, getting guys in and out, communicating the signals. So there were some issues, but also I think it comes down to noon kick, Samford, 
a good SOCON team, a good FCS team, right? Not great, not great, but good, especially on offense. Kind of sleepy, you're firing coaches, the team's kind of given up on the coach a little bit. That had all the recipe and all the ingredients for what happened. Credit to Florida for coming back out in the second half and absolutely slamming the door and putting that one away. I think, what, Emory Jones, over 600 yards of total offense? Yep, so six it's, touchdowns, uh, I think. Yeah, so it's... That's good for a confidence booster. Yeah, so, I mean, but that being said, I think they gave up as many offensive touchdowns in the first half against Sanford as Georgia had given up all year. Crazy to say, but wow. I mean, the defense, that Georgia defense. And if you included the kickoff return, they did, they had given up more touchdowns. Yep. That Georgia defense is elite. So, and it's like you don't really think they're going to stop being elite. But that's that's the great part. Is Tennessee, you feel like they had a good game and they put up 17 points. And one of them was just a garbage time. We want to put points on the board kind of score. Yeah, it was. I, I know they had that, what was it, a fumble at some point in time in the fourth quarter where they were driving early with, I think, eight, nine minutes left. Well, they, had inter- they had an interception. They had a fumble. Yep. Like they they lost the turnover battle, which we told you you couldn't do. Yeah, you can't against, do that. Against Georgia. Nah. But, no, I thought that first quarter was, if you're Josh Heupel, I think for the season you could probably hang your hat on that. Either that or the fact that you had the ball for, like, I think, what, 16 total minutes against Kentucky and you won that game. Mm-hmm. Just going away. You had four drives that were less than a minute against Kentucky. So I think Josh Heupel's done a really good job. I think he might be in line. Uh, I would hear arguments for him as like coach of the year, especially if they go to a bowl game. Yeah, I think they'll win their last, what, two games? Yeah, and go 7-5, win a bowl game, 8-5. I honestly really don't cool. know who they're playing. I want is They've already played Kentucky. Um, Vanderbilt is one of those teams. And it's someone else that they're playing. Oh yeah, uh, South Alabama, South Alabama, and Vanderbilt. I think they, I think they don't. Have hey, a problem listen, we games. just talked about talking about teams from other conferences. Sun Belt is a good conference. South Alabama is five and five. But I believe in it. And Tennessee. you know who you know who South Alabama's quarterback is? Nah, nah. former South Carolina quarterback Jake Bentley. Okay. I think South Carolina South would probably take him back right now. Yeah, they would. He's having a good year too. He's got 15 touchdowns, over 2,000 yards passing already on the season. So just a huge win for Georgia. Yep. First time in school history, you're 8-0 in the SEC. Pretty much on track for a 12-0 record. You got Charleston Southern coming up this weekend, and then you have a noon kick at Georgia Tech. Should we talk about that team in Mercedes-Benz? No, thank you. Uh, I'll leave that to the <laughs> the three and out guys because that is – I'm trying to have a good time here. We're going to talk uh. about the SEC West when we come back because it was a wild weekend in the SEC West. We'll dive into it next right here on Second Down. Breaks and, and just hitting you with some trivia. Can you tell me how big Auburn's lead was on Mississippi State on Friday? Should be a score that you are very familiar with. They were up twenty-eight to three. Auburn led Mississippi State twenty-eight to three. When I looked, it was twenty-eight seventeen. So I'm like, okay, Auburn's up eleven. They were up twenty-eight to three. Wow, they were indeed, and they wow. ended up losing that football game. To the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Will Rogers, over 400 yards, six touchdowns in the comeback. Bo Nix, not a bad day. 27-41, 377 yards, and two touchdowns. Here's the problem. How many picks, though? Zero. Zero? Okay, Bo. Okay, here's, Bo. here's the problem. Again, you go up 7-0, 7-3, 14-3, 21-3, and then with six minutes left in the second quarter, the aforementioned 
cursed number. 28 to 3. With six minutes left in the second quarter, Cam, they were rolling in this football game. Mississippi State, though, Mike Leach, the Pirate, never never lost his head, never lost his cool. Score a touchdown there with about two minutes left to go in the half, get it a 28 to 10, take that into the half, and then it was all Mississippi State. Cam, Auburn didn't score again until Mississippi State had put 40 unanswered on them in about two quarters. I'm just – I'm not understanding how – I mean, I know football is it's a 60-minute game, but how do you blow a 28-3 to lead or a, a lead that big in general? Um, they're coming off of a bad loss against Texas A&M where they put up three points, and you come out just smoking hot, up 28-3, and then you blow the game against – a team that doesn't have more talent than you. I would say quarterback play is about even. I don't think Will Rogers is that much better than Bo Nix. Right. And then the coaching is about even. I'm just I'm confused about that. Not understanding, you, but shout out to Mississippi the, State, though. You want me to do the graph for you? The ESPN graph where it lets you know the percentage of a chance to win? Yeah, yeah. With three minutes and 15 seconds to go in the second quarter, Auburn had a 98.5% chance to win. Mm. And they lost... The football game. Here's my question. All right, I'm gonna. You're the head coach of the Auburn Tigers, Cam. Okay. Your team has allowed 40 consecutive points to be scored on them, but you're still in the football game. With three minutes and 37 seconds left to go in the game, you're down 43 to 28. You score a touchdown. The game is now 43 to 34. Okay. Right. You're down nine with an extra point coming up. Mm-hmm. Right. You hit the extra point. It's an eight-point game. You're gonna have to go for two at some point. Do you go for two then, or do you kick the field goal to make that an eight-point game? I, w- I would kick the field goal to make it an eight-point game to keep my team alive. I am 100% with you. Brian Harson did not. Brian Harson elected with three minutes and 37 seconds left to go to go ahead and go for two down 43-34, to 34, hoping obviously to make it 43-36 and make it a seven-point ball game. They missed the attempt. And so with three and a half minutes left, it was a two-score football game. I can't for the life of me understand why he did that. You can't put your team in a hole mentally and say, okay, we're down nine. The game's over, essentially. I mean, I don't care who you are on that sideline. You're like, okay, this game is over. We blew a a 25-point lead. Then we missed two-point conversion. We're down nine. Game over. You make that field goal, you're down eight. At least I know if we get the ball back, we have an opportunity to go to overtime. Even if they kick a field goal, it's a two-score game. Yeah, Yeah. it's a two-score game. It's just... I'm like, dude, I, I don't understand that. So That's what that's what Brian Harson elected to do. I picked Auburn, man. And so now Pick Auburn all of a sudden, let's just look at the job the first-year coaches have done. Auburn's 6-4 and four right now. Now, you look at some of their losses. Yeah, you lost at Penn State. Yep. Yeah, you lost to Georgia. Yeah, you lost at Texas A&M, who maybe has the second-best defense in the SEC. You lost at Texas A&M. And then you come back and lose to Mississippi State. You're six and four right now. You have Alabama coming up. Yep. Could be looking in a at couple weeks. Seven and five I, I, you are you are absolutely looking at seven and five unless you lose to another first year coach that's shown the propensity to beat schools he's not supposed to beat because you got South Carolina between you and Alabama. And South Carolina desperately needs a win. And it's at South Carolina. Yeah, they need one only because if they lose this game, then they have to play Clemson at the end of the year. 
and they could possibly miss out on a bowl game. For bowl eligibility, yeah. They have yeah. to be Auburn or Clemson for bowl eligibility. Oof, man. I, I don't think that one's a lock for Auburn because it's on the road. No, no, it's not a lot, especially with how they've been playing. I would choose Auburn because they're on back-to-back losses, but, I mean, it just hurts. You know, the Georgia loss, I wouldn't say that. That's not a bad loss, clearly. Uh, I would say Penn State, I would love for you to get that one. Texas A&M, I, I think Texas A&M is a top-five school in the country right now by the way they've been playing. But that Mississippi State one, it hurts the most, though. Okay, so here's where you're at right now uh, with the SEC West. You came in, and Ole Miss still had a chance. Uh, Texas A&M still had a chance. Auburn still had a chance at winning the SEC West, but because Auburn loses to Mississippi State, they now have three losses. Uh, Texas A&M loses to Ole Miss. They now have three losses. And Texas A&M, I thought them and Auburn were the two that really had a chance. But now Ole Miss is the only team that has a chance because they need Alabama to lose to Arkansas and lose to Auburn. And then I think in that situation, I believe – so I take that back. I think Auburn is still the only team with a chance because in the situation that Alabama loses to Arkansas and loses to Auburn, Auburn. I believe it would be Auburn because of the head-to-heads they have over Ole Miss and Alabama. And Arkansas. Wow. So Auburn not out of it, but they have to be rooting for them Razorbacks coming up this weekend. And Alabama all of a sudden is just looking real good. Georgia and Alabama, SEC championship. Like, you know, we've done this chapter how many times now? A couple, like three, four times now. I mean, hey, let's let's get back to it again. Nobody wants to play Bama. I don't. I hate when people say, oh, you know, we want Bama. No, we don't. Yeah, pretty ho-hum weekend <laughs> for Alabama. They take on the 1-8 New Mexico State Aggies. Bryce Young, basically, look, he was playing his air. 21 of 23, 270 yards, and yep. five touchdowns Heisman. in this Trying game. Trying to pad them stats for the Heisman, man. I mean, that's honestly his worst yardage game, I think. And that's that's insane. But, I mean, that's the Heisman favorite right now. Bryce Young, Kenneth Walker. Holy cow. Yeah, that's his that's yeah. his worst yardage game. <laughs> that kid is good. Since Ole Miss. That kid is good. He's legit. And yeah, they the five, the five games before that, he had 369 yards against Texas A&M, 348 against Mississippi State, 371 against Tennessee, and 302 against LSU. He now has 33 touchdowns on the year to just three interceptions. He hasn't thrown an interception in his last four games. Crazy thing is, this might be the best quarterback Nick Saban's had since that kind of like Tua era. I think he's better. Yeah, I know. I think yeah, I think he's better too. And this is like when he comes out, those NFL scouts they're going to be drooling. Well, here's the only thing he's about him drool- is his height. That's the only thing you can really knock him for. Yeah, he's like it, what he's, six feet. He's kind of slender. He get that together. I like Bryce Young. I can I admit that. He, okay, so he's listed at 6 feet, 194 pounds. Usually what you're listed at, you take an inch or two away, and you take about 15 pounds away. Yeah. So Bryce Young is probably rocking about 5'11", 180 pounds. Giving me, hey, outside of the weight, is giving me, I said it when I first saw him play. I'm like, he kind of plays like Russell Wilson a little bit. I think he's a little bit slicker yeah, than Russell Wilson. Yeah, the way he get improvised. Too, yeah. That's what I'm saying, not right now, but oh, like yeah. at, oh. at his at – his, in his college days. Yeah. Right? And he's de- he's got a way cleaner delivery than Russell Wilson had yeah. during his college days. I yeah, Bryce Young's special. And so now <laughs> Falcons. <laughs> yeah. Now all of a sudden you're looking Cam and I well that that's the thing you got to root for the Falcons to be bad enough to be in position to get him cuz he's lo- going to be the number 1 player off the board in a couple drafts. I would I would actually for that 
I would actually. So we are say, now tanking for Bryce. I, I, I've never been like that, but for him, absolutely. We yeah, are, we are tanking for Bryce. Well, just trade, trade the farm, and tra- <laughs> I don't so, know. So now, so now the Falcons aren't drafting a quarterback this year. No, I don't. I, I, unless it's like Matt Corral or Malik Willis. Yeah, or Malik. Car- what one Carson of those two? Strong. No, no. I just need one of those two, Matt Corral or Malik Willis. If it's not one of those two, please what just go what draft if the some defense. Goes pro? No, no. <laughs> just try to get a defense. Get a defense because what I saw yesterday, yeah, you got to get a defense, man. So it's, it's, look, about it's ca- looking like it's Alabama unless some cataclysmic event happens where they lose the next two games, which uh, speaking of the SEC West, we have not mentioned this yet, Bo Nix having ankle surgery, he is done for the regular season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So it looks like it's the TJ Finley show, which might not be the worst thing. Oh, if we're looking at uh, if we're looking for Auburn, so for, you don't want it to happen because of an injury. But TJ Finley obviously led that game when he drive against Georgia State. And a lot of fans have wanted to see him in some of these games where Bo Nix has played pretty terribly. So it's gonna be TJ Finley for the next couple of weeks, uh, and obviously including the Iron Bowl there. So we'll have to watch and see for that one. I do want to come back. I want to talk about Georgia's quarterback situation because I think that got put to bed. Cam, I didn't know you're such a Creed fan. Yeah, I am big w- fan. What's your favorite Creed song? Uh. One last breath. Oh, that's the one you just played. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite song. Sometimes you just gotta jam out with some Creed, man. Don't yeah. let people tell you they're not good. You yeah. listen to Nickelback too? Uh, no. Not 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 a Nickelback fan. Nah, not Nickelback right, fan. I, I got gotcha. you. I know Creed a little close to home there for you. So, all right. I'm still want to talk about this in the last segment. I I think, and I know it's gonna upset some Georgia fans because I think there's a large portion of the Georgia fan base out there that is still waiting and hoping for JT Daniels to take over this team. Yeah, it's done. I, I, I think it's time to go ahead and close the book on that. I think JT Daniels is healthy. Kirby Smart said he's repping with the twos, and he's doing a great job staying healthy. This is Stetson Bennett's team until the wheels fall off. Now, could that change if, say, you get to the SEC championship and the offense is just unproductive and you, you get boat raced by Alabama? Certainly. I think if you get beat by uh, double digits by Alabama in the SEC championship, you absolutely need to recalibrate because you're still going to the college football playoff. But there would be some recalibration needed there. But if you if you go to the SEC championship 12-0 and after beating Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech like you should mm-hmm. – and you play a close game with Alabama, or you, you beat Alabama by a couple scores, this is Stetson Bennett's team. And I thought what happened in Knoxville was a really important thing, which is Georgia trailed, and there was some tension in that game, right? Mm-hmm. And it got alleviated very quickly. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of thanks to James Cook on that one, but... yeah. That game was tight, and Tennessee was moving the football on Georgia, and they had a lead twice. They went up seven to nothing. And they were up ten to seven. Right? They were moving it, and Stetson Bennett had to answer against an offense that looked really good, and they did answer. Did he still have some plays where you're like, "What in the world are you doing?" Yeah, he's going to have some of those. For the most part, every quarterback in college football is going to have some of those. But over fifty yards rushing was able to take a broken play and turn it into a touchdown, yep. getting the team in the right formations. I thought that was a massive statement for Stetson Bennett. And nah. I, I think this is his team. Yeah, it, nah, it's, it's his team. Um, I think people get confused. From a talent perspective, we do know JT Daniels has more arm talent, a bigger arm, a bigger cannon than Stetson Bennett. But Stetson Bennett, I mean, he's won over this team. We're not saying JT is not a good quarterback. We know he's a good quarterback, but – 
This, it was, was, this was not his most impressive statistical game. He was no. 17 to 29, 213 yards and a touchdown, right? A lot of Jake Fromm's most impressive games weren't where he was lighting up the scoreboard, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't need to do that, don't do it. If Georgia can run for over 200 yards, that's what you're going to do. And I thought that offensive line, I thought the biggest thing that Georgia fans should notice is Warren Erickson got pulled from that game and they put Xavier Truss in at right guard mm-hmm. and things started clicking. That offensive line got nasty. Truss has a lot of things to work on, right? Mm-hmm. He has to work on pass pro. He has to work on some of his identifications when it comes to picking out his guy and then getting to the next level. But one thing he doesn't have to work on is nastiness and size. The dude is a mountain of a man playing right guard, and he's just mean. And he's had kind of had that fiery spirit. And you can see some frustration from him where he's been pulled during games and stuff like that mm-hmm. just because he's not a starter and he gets frustrated on the sideline. I want that. I want a guy who wants to get in, right? And once he gets in, he's nasty. I've always had this thing. Mentally, a game is over. Once they say you pick up a first down, like a 10 yard run, and you pick up a first down, and an offensive lineman pancakes a defensive lineman, mm-hmm. and then they do like the bear crawl over the guy, right? Where they're like yeah. clawing into the grass and they're just rubbing their belly in their face That's and bear you know crawling over them. That it's it. Like once you're getting bear crawled over, that offensive line is just dominating you. I thought Cedric Van Pran had an awesome game. Broderick Jones filling in for, uh, uh, Sawyer, I thought, had a big game. He just he had a couple of plays. He obviously had the holding call, but he had a couple of plays where he really stood out, and you can see why everybody is so excited about him. And then once you get Amarius Mims in there, I mean, this offensive line's not going anywhere. But I, I thought trust coming in was huge because I think that's probably what you're going to see going forward. And now Stetson Bennett just in complete control of this offense, using those legs, using his yeah. arm. He made he threw some darts. Like I mean, yep. they weren't all wide open guys like we've seen in some of the other games. He had to fit the ball into coverage a few times, and he threw an absolute dime to James Cook on that long touchdown mm-hmm. pass. So Stetson Bennett really impressive in that offensive line. I thought had their best performance. See, I get impressed by the small plays that most people don't pay attention to, like on oh, the thirteen you, yard. Why, why are you, you flexing on people? You're like, listen, nah, this nah, is why I'm smart. I, I want to flex, but. The 13-yard scamper that Stetson Bennett had, that was a big play to keep the drive going. Yeah. I think that was like a third and – I want to say like third and ten or something yeah. like and that. you pick it up and then and you pick and it up into and that drive, James Cook hits the 30-plus-yard touchdown yep. run. When we're down, I think 7-0. I mean, it's stuff like that. Um, he's able to scramble and improvise and make things happen. I was very impressed because, like you said, that was their homecoming. You have Peyton Manning, the NFL legend. That in was the a 100-year anniversary of uh, Neyland. Yep, and they go down. They score the opening drive. Then it's 10-7. You're like, okay, hold on. And then it's 10-10, and we're like, hold on. This might be one of those games. And Georgia, credit, and I give the credit to Stetson Bennett. Georgia, they stayed calm. They didn't, like, lose their minds, didn't lose their cool, and they came out there and just played Georgia football. They ran the ball, smacked you in the mouth. Yep. And they won the game. It was impressive. And this was the game that scared me. I think I said it months ago. I'm like, at Tennessee, God, that's kind of scary, you know, but they handled business, Well, in man. the past, this kind of time of the year has been where Georgia would drop one, right? 2017 yep. against Auburn, 2018 against LSU, 2019 against South Carolina. This, like, this time of the year, just the middle of the year, getting towards the end of it, is where they would drop one, and this was obviously the culmination of a lot of that, right? You want to go undefeated in SEC play, you want to keep that perfect record going, uh, and then you're playing against a team that's really kind of caught fire here as the season's gone, but I, I thought Georgia played one of their best games of the year, and if everybody's saying, like, wow, Tennessee had this awesome game offensively, Georgia outgained them by 100 yards. 
And that, that includes that garbage time touchdown that Tennessee scored where they put Joe Milton in after they'd pulled Hindenhooker, put Joe Milton in, and just started slinging the rock as much as they could. Some penalties helped them out on that drive as well. Georgia had more first downs than them. Georgia beat them in the turnover battle, two to nothing. Like it's just solid football. And it's just it's like a boa constrictor, right? The more you struggle against this team, the more mistakes you start making, and all of a sudden you're looking up and it's a three score football game. What I liked was guys stepped up on offense. So we see Zamir White. He hasn't got it going the last two games. Who steps up? James Cook. But yeah, he had a career day. Yeah, he, he stepped up big time. I'm like, okay, this is what I like to see. And then now you got the wide receivers. They're stepping up by committee. Stetson Ben has clearly stepped up for the whole year. I mean, I just love the fact your starting quarterback goes out, you come back, you come with your uh, second-string quarterback, and you don't miss a beat. Right. Um, same with defense. You're missing guys on defense. You got a guy going out for um, allegations. You have injuries. Guys just step up. You're just plugging people in, and you're not missing a beat. That's called good coaching. Everybody has the same attitude, and it's giving championship vibes right now. That's what I will say. But like, I, like I've said all year, oh, no, it's you have one already monkey. said it. It's one monkey on the back. That's it. We got to get that off our back, and we're fine. Fine. Yeah. I say we're fine. I'm, I, I told you, I, I like Ohio State's offense. I'm just not a believer that they could – be physical. I, I'm just. I'm worried about. I don't think they could be physical enough to play with Georgia for four quarters. I'm worried about that SEC championship. That's, that's no. Yeah, now that right I'm worried about. I'm always going to be worried about Alabama because psychologically they have that mental advantage over us. But if we could get over that hump in the SEC championship, we don't have to worry about them in the playoffs. We won't have to see them. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Tennessee's uh, prior game against Kentucky, they had accumulated 461 yards, averaged 9.8 yards per play at Kentucky against Georgia at home 387 yards 4.7 yards per play so almost cut in half mm -hmm. and that one was at home for Tennessee so just another huge performance now you see the 17 points and Georgia fans just lose their mind because the stated goal is 13 or less it. 17 points it. is fine let's take a quick break here we'll come back with more right here on second down we got a big show coming up today on three and out. we'll break it down for you next and also I like Cam vent a little bit Oh, about yeah. his Atlanta Falcons. We'll dive into it next. <laughs> right, Cam, I have to end the show with some distressful news. The Atlanta Braves offered Freddie Freeman a contract. Freddie Freeman has declined the contract. And now CBS Sports is reporting the Yankees and Freddie Freeman are oh. meeting. Uh, this would be heartbreaking for Atlanta. Now, uh, I will say this, John Heyman uh, reporting that the Braves are still the team that is the most likely to sign Freddie Freeman. And if I had to imagine, it's probably, hey, let's go talk to the Yankees, get their offer, bring that back, show it to the Braves, and figure something out. I'm trying to pull up the exact stats of what the Braves offered Freddie Freeman. Pretty sure it was five yeah five years, one hundred and thirty-five million dollars, which is more than Paul Goldschmidt got, and it would be the most a first baseman's ever been paid. But I mean, say what Freddie Freeman wants is seven years, say two hundred million dollars. Is it disrespectful to go to him for five years, one hundred and thirty-five? Yeah, I say give the man whatever but, but he wants. Do you think that's disrespectful? No, I think it is. I give the man whatever he wants. I just I don't I understand in sports we build these icons and Freddie Freeman I think is like the new Chipper Jones for this era of Braves fans right okay. I just don't think 
especially with an ownership group that is a conglomerate, Liberty, Liberty Media, controls the budget for the team. Basically what you're saying is this, Cam, is I'm willing to pay Freddie Freeman for five years of service. I'm willing to pay him for seven years. Basically at the end of that, after five years, the next two seasons, you're just assuming because it's the way it typically works out, he won't be great those last couple seasons, and you'll probably be paying him – Thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people. Who give respect where respect is due. So I just I don't think you can operate like that in professional sports. I know it's, it's not, not. I know no, it's, it's not, not a salary. Ideal. I know it's not a salary cap league, but you are kind of salary capped by yeah. what Liberty Media is willing to offer you. Yeah, it's not an ideal situation, of course, but I just look at it as in we haven't won nothing in 26 years. This is your guy. Um, he's done everything for Atlanta. I just sure. you know give him his money, man. Give him where respect is due. Like. That may go a long but way you for kinda, you to get I free agents. I think you have to look at future. everything, though. Is like you have Ozzy Albies is under contract. You you have to work with Dansby here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Austin Riley's under contract, and they're all hitting thirty home runs a year. And uh, Austin Riley had a better season this year than Freddie Freeman. Obviously, do you want both of them kind of bookending your infield? Certainly. Yeah. But I mean, is that something you could look at and say? We could go out there, the money that you don't re-sign Freddie Freeman for, you can look at signing one of these other big-time free agents that are infielders, bring them in. Austin Riley has shown that he can play first base. You slide somebody over to third base if you can sign a free agent there. Like, I, I still think Freddie Freeman gets signed. Yeah. What I think the Braves should avoid is the Albert Pujols dead money at the end of his career, where Albert Pujols with the Angels was washed, but they're still paying him $40 million a year. I think Freddie's going to be smart with negotiating. Okay, uh, you give me 135, Yankees gave me 150. Can y'all match that? Yeah, or it's the Yankees gave me 200. I'm willing to come back to you guys for 180. Yeah, I think, with, I think with that's With a reasonable. lot of bonuses. Yeah. I just don't think you can do what a lot of – like. And listen, Freddie Freeman's not doing his job. His agent's not doing his job if they don't – or his or her. I don't know who his agent is, but they're not doing their job unless they try to get the most money for Freddie Freeman. And they're going to say, listen – Absolutely. Do guys do guys really play well when they're 37, 38? Not typically, but you know, it's Freddie Freeman. How, how, get much, my money. how much is he worth to you? And is it worth 60, 70 million dollars over those last two years? And that's what Alex Anthopoulos, who's obviously shown that he's a very shrewd operator, is nostalgia worth seventy million dollars. It's true, but it's going to be have a de- it's going to be a decision the Braves are going or is to have it, to make. Is it worth seventy million dollars for the Braves? And I'm just it's an arbitrary number. I don't inherently know what that contract's going to look like. But how much money is it worth for you five years from now for those next five years? I think it's worth it if he gets you another ring in those next five well, years. Well, you, we'll never know that until yeah. Well, yeah, five years from now. True. But is it is it worth it? Basically, what I'm saying is is a huge ticket at the end for a guy who probably won't be very good. Are the next five years worth it? I think it is. I will say that. I think it is. I'm just I'm a real loyal guy to guys that bring home championships to your city and Atlanta is not known for that. He he brought it home. So well, I think here's it what is. you gotta realize too is you have a lot of guys right now who are coming up and are very young players, right? You're looking at your pitching staff, Ian Anderson, Max Fried, Mike Soroka. Eventually those dudes are gonna want to get paid. Are you going to have enough money down the line to keep that core together or potentially go out there and get a big free agent ace? I, I don't inherently think so if you do break Freddie Freeman off like that, but it's completely up to the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos as to where that value is, and obviously they have an idea in their mind of what you're going to end up paying Ian Anderson and the Max Freeds and those guys, but you're talking about some free agent money. 
pitcher yeah. pitcher money. This is what it silly. takes for to be a championship contender and the is team it? that because, the Braves I mean, the are. Team that, the, this, team, the team that has like the highest paid guy in baseball, mm-hmm. the Angels, mm-hmm. they're typically not very good. I'm not taking anything away from Oh, Mike no, Trout. no. I'm uh, saying. Bryce Harper, he's almost a half a billion dollar guy. No, I'm saying the confusion. And they in just, lost to the Braves. Like the confusion in trying to get your money right within the organization. I think all championship teams have that kind of problem. Um, outside of the Dodgers because they're just rich, but yeah. And the, and the Yankees and the Red Sox, but we'll we'll see. Freddie Freeman, though, uh, apparently his representative is speaking to the Yankees, and he has turned down the first offer from the Atlanta Braves. We're going to break that down more coming up on 3 and Out with B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas right here on.